Welcome to the second episode of Babble with Brennan, presented by Movie Babble. I'm your host, Brennan Dubay, and today's topic is Spider-Man. We'll be ranking the Spider-Man films from our least favorite to our favorite. I have a great guest today, and I'm so excited to get into it. You can check out Movie Babble and some other Movie Babble-related content on moviebabblereviews.com. You can also follow us on our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and check us out on YouTube as well. Welcome to episode two of Movie Babble Presents Babble with Brennan. I'm your host, Brennan Dubay. I have a great topic here today. Uh, firstly, I want to introduce my co-host, Colin. Yes, that's me. I'm Colin. I'm a uh, college junior and big Spider fan, so I'm excited for today's podcast. For sure. Uh, Colin also um, works for Movie Babble as well, and uh, we also have the Movie Babble podcast, which comes out uh, every weekend talking about the top five uh, films at the box office on a week-to-week basis so that's pretty good stuff as well and yes as you said uh big spider fan the topic today is spider-man uh with the new release of spider-man far from home just this past week we decided to rank all the spider-man films uh one to eight um this is going to be a pretty fun time we're going to start with uh, our least favorite go to our favorite we're including in, uh, spider-man into the spider-verse which came out last december so we have the seven live action films we have the three raimi films um, the two amazing Spider-Man films. Now we have two uh, Tom Holland-led Spider-Man films, and then the Into the Spider-Verse, the uh, animated film, which came out last year. As I said, it's going to be a pretty good show. I'm um, looking forward to it. We're going to throw it over to you uh, for your number eight, and we'll uh, get this thing going. Yeah. So number eight was pretty easy for me. Um, in like every movie I've ever seen, there were three movies that stand out that I just cannot stand. Um, and one of those is the amazing Spider-Man two. Uh, so that's my number eight on the list. I think it's just, it's really overcrowded. You see a lot of the signs of Sony, uh, meddling with it. Like to me, that's, it's just the worst one. It's a huge mess. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I'm going to, I actually have that a little bit higher than eight. Um, so I'll swing into my eight real quick. Uh, my number eight is Spider-Man three. Um, Spider-Man 3 is a film. This was a tough decision for me. As you said, this is an easy one for you. This was very tough for me between um, the one you mentioned, Amazing Spider-Man 2 and uh, Spider-Man 3. And I feel with Spider-Man 3, there were so many missed opportunities. Um, It is a crowded film, but I'll definitely get into that a little bit more when you bring it up on your list. Yeah. So I guess we can move into number seven then? Yep, for sure. And so mine, my number seven is The Amazing Spider-Man. And I'm assuming mine's probably a little bit lower. And I think (laughs) a lot of that has to do with nostalgia, but we we can get into that a little bit more when we reach it on your list as well. No, for sure. Uh, um, Yeah, it's a little bit higher than uh, at uh, number seven. Uh, Anyways, my number seven, though, is Amazing Spider-Man 2. As you said, that's your number eight. Um, This is a film that I felt was pretty messy. And as you said, there was a lot of meddling that went into it. Um, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is a movie that it was really tough for me to place other seven or eight. Um, but for me personally, I'm a huge fan actually of, uh, the, uh, Garfield and, uh, Emma Stone relationship. I think that it worked over the course of both films. And I think that was what helped kind of carry this film to make it just a little bit better than Spider-Man three for me. Um, villain wise, I think this film has worse villains than, uh, uh, 
all the villains in Spider-Man 3. I think they're all a little bit stronger. Um, but here in Amazing Spider-Man 2, I think that it has a little bit more redeeming qualities in Spider-Man 3. I think Spider-Man 3 was just such a letdown in comparison. Maybe that's kind of one of the reasons I had to put it at number eight, because they couldn't, they couldn't finish the trilogy. They couldn't wrap it up. Um, but, but Amazing Spider-Man 2 is my number seven, personally. Uh, and as I can see, you're not a huge fan of the franchise, having them at eight and seven. Um, so we'll see how uh, that plays out later on in the list. But I'll send it back to you for your number six then yeah and i do, I do want to touch on the amazing spider-man 2 just a little bit um so yeah. like i remember uh, you know i this is really the only spider-man movie that i think is like bad it doesn't have that many redeeming qualities um i do agree with what you said about gwen and peter in the movie like uh their their relationship is really what drives the amazing spider-man i think they have a much stronger chemistry than even toby mcguire and kirsten dunst did uh, particularly in Spider-Man 3, but but in the other two as well. And for me, it's just the villains. Um, you know, I think they they tried to shoehorn uh, this whole Oscorp, uh, like, overarching subplot that they started in the first movie and tried to kind of connect it to the Dr. Octopus and the Vulture were, in the, were teased in the credits and Scorpion. And, you know, they tried to incorporate Rhino into that. And, you know, Electro is kind of a product of that as well. But then you have... Uh, Harry Osborn making that really quick uh, turn from uh, this kid who's, you know, he's got a disease that took a couple decades to kill his father. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, pretty much instantly dying and spider blood. And <laughs> there's just a lot of concepts that were thrown in here as Sony was trying to compete with the MCU at the time. You know, this was made just right on the tail of the Avengers and then Iron Man 3. And so this was kind of the beginning craze of. The, the cinematic universe. And I think Sony started with a lot of the problems that we see in the DCEU right now. And so I just see this as more of like a studio systemic failure that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That's kind of my problem with it. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Uh, I have it at number seven. I think that a lot of the issues that you, you spoke about, I can um, definitely understand them. Uh, the villains I think are by far the worst part of the movie. Um, I think Electro, uh, Jamie Foxx, is a, is a good actor and we know that but I think his performance there was awful and I think the writing was awful as well for his character I mean uh, it was just his character was definitely a mess and yes the villains I can I can definitely agree with you there that's definitely the sore spot of the film for me I still put it at number seven on my one through eight but that's definitely the big sore spot for me yeah no no I agree and I, I understand the redeeming qualities behind it but it just it's not enough for me <laughs> understandable yeah, so if you want to move into my number six, then um, this is one that we we have pretty close to, pretty close in positions on the list. Number six for me is Spider-Man 3. Um, but this is really like the tipping point for me of, I, I don't think any movies above this really have, would be considered bad. And I mean, Spider-Man 3 is a bad movie, but I love it. <laughs> okay, uh, so that that's my number eight. So uh, I want to go into that one a little bit um you have it at six that's pretty fair um but i put it at eight just because of how disappointing it was now um it was tough for me to kind of swing that seven and eight spot amazing spider-man 2 and spider-man 3 that was really tough for me but um what kind of just kind of pushed me over the edge there was um the fact just that spider-man 3 felt so much of a letdown uh with that film i was looking forward to the kind of trilogy closing and i think it was um gearing up and kind of the paths were leading towards um, a very solid end to many of the character arcs. 
I think that they completely, um, we are going full spoilers into these eight movies. Uh, <laughs> um, well, maybe not far from home, but the other, the other, the other seven for sure, far from home, we probably won't go into too much just because it is pretty new, but the other seven, we will talk about uh, a little bit in depth for sure. So going into Spider-Man three here, I think, um, if you remember way back when, when Harry, uh, at the, he's going after, um, Peter, it's pretty early in the movie and he clunks his head and he kind of forgets, forgets what happened. Um, he kind of loses his memory a little bit. He even forgets that he's angry at Spider-Man, which is just something that has kind of been uh, brewing since the very end of the first film. I think that this movie had a great opportunity to pit um, Harry and Peter against each other, potentially as the main um, story arc of this final film. But instead they throw in uh, Venom, which is just... Uh, that was a little bit messy for me. Uh, Sandman's character, I, I didn't mind him in this movie. I actually didn't mind him. I thought that... Uh, there were some uh, compelling elements to his character with his daughter and such, but I thought just so many characters, so so much of a messy movie, and it has a lot of the same problems that The Amazing Spider-Man 2 had, but I just find this movie to be so much of a letdown. That's why I threw it at 8. Um, but you have it at 6. That's that's not too bad of a spot. Um, and as you said, there's probably no other film on your kind of list, 1 through 5, that you um, dislike, really, or, or, or not a huge fan of, but it's interesting to know that you're a uh, this is kind of one of your guilty pleasure films, I guess. Eh? Yeah, and it's uh, I'm definitely sympathetic towards it because I have like read up a lot on the process of making it. And, you know, I I mean, Spider-Man and Spider- Spider-Man, especially like I've always had that movie around me growing up, the, the original. And then Spider-Man 2 has just always been uh, pretty high up there as well. Like I remember always having uh, Raimi's trilogy available to me. Uh, but with Spider-Man 3, I actually didn't see it till after it had been out a couple of years, um, which is just kind of an interesting occurrence there. Um, but like I've, I've read up a lot on it and the, just the process of uh, Avi Arad trying to cram Venom into the movie because, um, you know, Spider-Man 2 didn't bring in as much money as Spider-Man 1. And so they were like, oh, we need to give the fans what we want. And it was just kind of a train wreck. You know, you know Sam Raimi's original plan was just going to be Harry and Sandman. And then Sony was like, well, you can either put Venom in it or you could not make it. And so he was like, all right, I'll take Sandman out. And they're like, no, we want all three of them. And so it's just a studio mess. And it really like destroyed Sam Raimi for a little while. But I love like a lot of the ideas that he puts in there. So even though Venom, for me at least, is the weak point of the movie, like the symbiote and Eddie Brock and everything to do with Venom is the weak point because that's what Sam Raimi was the least comfortable with. But I think Sandman has a really good arc. I think like, kind of like you said, they, they start to take Harry in that direction and I like what they start to do, but they never really capitalize on it. And so I, like, I see a lot of the flaws, but I also see kind of the seeds that were planted. And that's why for me, this is a little bit higher than either of the amazing Spider-Man movies. Okay, um, I can see that. I mean, looking at my eight and seven, which is Spider-Man three and Amazing Spider-Man two, I don't hate any of those movies. I think that Spider-Man three is a movie that, yeah, there are there are some elements there, some seeds that you can kind of see, and it's a sad story what happened to Sam Raimi because he did such a good job with the first two films that you really wanted him to to kind of wrap it up well. It probably would have been one of the trilogies remembered as one of the great trilogies of all time if you if you were to land this film anywhere near uh, the first two in terms of quality. 
Um, but the studio really got involved. It's, it's quite disappointing. I still have it at eight. I don't, I don't hate the movie. For me, it's my least favorite Spider-Man movie with Amazing Spider-Man 2 coming in at number seven for me just because even that film, uh, it has its issues, but I still see a couple redeeming qualities in it. I like the cast. I put it at seven. Um, Want to recap your eight, seven, six real quick before we go into my number six? Yeah, so for me, eight was The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, seven was the amazing Spider-Man. And then my number six was of course, Spider-Man three. Yep. And uh, my number six is a movie that I, it's number six. Um, so that, that's a little bit high up, but it's not, uh, it's not a movie that I dislike by any means. And my number six is Spider-Man homecoming. Um, Spider-Man homecoming is a movie that I really enjoy. I've seen it in the last uh, couple of years since it came out three or four times. Um, and, and, and it is a really enjoyable film. I remember when it first came out in 2017, um, even, even then, we're far into the MCU. I still 100% sold on the MCU, which is weird. By 2017, I, I, I liked a lot of the MCU movies, but I didn't quite see the bigger picture until Infinity War. Um, and, and until kind of the movies just after um, Homecoming. Uh, with Black Panther and such, I didn't I didn't quite see everything coming together in such a great way till then. So when when Homecoming came out, I was super super excited, um, but I watched it and I was pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed it, and I think for what they were trying to do, fitting it into the uh, MCU, um, I think they did a great job. Uh, but that's my number six, um, and I do I do still really like the film. I just found that some elements weren't weren't as strong as some of the other movies on my list. And uh, it's it's not one that I, I kind of put up there as one of the greater Spider-Man movies. Yeah, I actually have that a little bit higher on my list. Um, so we can jump into number five and then kind of circle back. But I'll go on to, to my number five, which is Spider-Man Far From Home. And like, like I said, you know, a few minutes ago, I don't dislike any of these movies. Uh, like, it, it, and that's what's hard to rank Spider-Man is all these movies, in my opinion, um, from number five on up to number one are all an A or an A+. Plus. Like these are all really well done superhero movies, really well done Spider-Man movies. Um, but Far From Home for me, it just I, – I liked Mysterio as a character, but I don't think he had you know the most fleshed out of motivations. Um, you know, they – he, he has good motivations, but they don't spend a lot of time on him or on right. what, you know, if he won, what, what the result would be. And for me, that's the weak point. I think they do a really great job with Peter. Um, and, you know, going back to that kind of classic Spider-Man storyline of responsibility. But yeah, for me, far from home, uh, Mysterio is kind of the weak link here. Yeah. Um, you know what? It's funny because that's kind of our first one on the list here. Uh, that's my number five as well. So that's kind of the first one we've had. Uh, the same. So we both have Spider-Man Far From Home at number five. I really enjoyed Spider-Man Far From Home. I liked it a little bit more than Homecoming, which I had at six. I only liked it a little bit more because I thought that it uh, um, fleshed out the elements that I thought were okay about the first film. I really, really liked the chemistry between Zendaya and uh, Tom Holland. I actually think that it was really good um, and really charming. I liked seeing the post-Endgame um, MCU, the post-Endgame Earth, because I, I just thought there was a really cool element, and I hope that that is something that they touch on in future MCU movies as well. I kind of want to see the aftermath um, on a small scale. Uh, so I think Spider-Man was the perfect character to kind of have your first follow-up movie to Endgame with. And I, I like Far From Home just a little bit more 
than uh, Homecoming, but we'll get back into Homecoming when we uh, reach it on your list. But that's my number five as well. So I'll turn it back to you for your number four. Yeah. So, and again, I don't dislike any of these movies. Um, <laughs> but but uh, moving on to my number four is the first Spider Man, uh, okay. Sam Raimi's Spider Man from two thousand two. And yeah. you know, uh, you can say a lot about the uh, the original Spider Man movies, but kind of Marvel as we know it starts from here. And you know, I'll touch on it a little bit later when we get to it on your list. For sure. Uh, so that's your number four. My number four is the Amazing Spider Man. Um, you know what? I I grew up with the Raimi films, but I was aware and excited about the first Amazing Spider-Man. Um, with the Raimi films, I there was no real internet at that time, right? There was, uh, especially when the first two came out, um, uh, and even the third, like there wasn't really a, a an open source of kind of getting on the internet and uh, finding a lot of things out for yourself for someone who was a kid, uh, whereas nowadays you'll see it everywhere. Um, so I just kind of enjoyed the Raimi films when they were, were just around at my house. And uh, I just enjoyed them in that respect. And I think Spider-Man 3 is the first movie I really remember going to theaters to see. I know I saw some before that in theaters, but Spider-Man 3 was the first one I remember um, going to see. But uh, by the time The Amazing Spider-Man comes out, we kind of are getting a little bit more into the age of the internet. And I have access and I am hyped for this movie for at least a year before it comes out. I'm really looking forward to it. And it's number four on my list. I know it's seven on yours, but it's four on mine because I actually really do enjoy this movie. Um, this is a film that I thought they did a lot of things well in. I like the vibe, the tone of this film. I know they promised a darker Spider-Man with uh, the, the Amazing Spider-Man franchise. I, I don't know if they delivered on that respect fully, but there were a lot of things I liked about this movie. I think the lizard um, and Kurt Connors' character is the weakest point of the film. I think the CGI is not too great on the lizard. Uh, I don't like the design of the character, and I think that... Um, Kirk Connors is pretty one-dimensional in the film. Um, but as I said, what I liked about Amazing Spider-Man 2, Andrew Garfield and uh, Emma Stone, I think Gwen Stacy, Peter Parker, there was a great interplay there. They had a great relationship, and I really liked that part of the film. I also liked seeing a little bit more of a elongated origin story. Um, uh, in Raimi's Spider-Man, which is higher than this one on my list, um, it's kind of a rushed uh, beginning. I mean, it's not rushed, but they do it in such a short amount of time he gets bitten pretty quick uh he becomes spider-man pretty quick um whereas in the amazing spider-man it's a little bit prolonged and uh, you get to kind of see a little bit of his uh life at home a little bit more with aunt may and uh uncle ben and, and i must say i think every single aunt may all three are, are quite good um i didn't dislike any of the aunt mays in the franchise uh, uh what's your take on aunt may and uncle ben in uh in, in every spider-man film yeah i mean i think and I, I've, I've talked about it a little bit, but uh, my preference is always going to be the Raimi movies. Um, but I think, yeah, like Aunt May, they've managed to do something different with her each time. And I think that's one of uh, the amazing Spider-Man's victories is the fact that, you know, this is the same set of characters in the same story um, in, in a basic sense of Aunt May, Uncle Ben and Peter. But they managed to do it differently and to kind of shake it up a little bit, especially with Aunt May. I think um, – Martin Sheen's Uncle Ben is kind of boring because um, he just just kind of followed the the standard Uncle Ben beats. But I think Aunt May manages to come across in a much different way than uh, Rosemary Harris did in the original Spider-Man movies. And I think that's one of the reasons why um, The Amazing Spider-Man stands out. I definitely agree with you about the lizard. I think 
he starts off promising. You know, he's a scientist just trying to cure himself and and get back to a normal life. But he kind of devolves into a sky beam, you know, gas the world, turn him into lizards. And I think that's where the Amazing Spider-Man falls apart. But yeah, th- th- those are kind of my thoughts on the Amazing Spider-Man. Um, I really liked Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. Um, uh, I, I really, really liked him as Spider-Man. I think as Peter Parker, my favorite still is Tobey Maguire. I think Tom Holland does a really, really respectable job in both um, uh, roles, Spider-Man and Peter Parker. But Andrew Garfield, I think, was terrific as Spider-Man. Um, I love the way he acted. I, I actually, personally, I know this was controversial back when these films came out, but I really liked the suit in The Amazing Spider-Man. I really liked that mm-hmm. suit. Um the color scheme, the design, I really liked it. Um, when you get kind of close-up shots, the texture doesn't look as um, uh, kind of tight and clean as in uh, uh, Homecoming and Far From Home and in the Raimi films. But uh, just just a, just a kind of a basic look at the costumes. I really enjoy The Amazing Spider-Man uh, just for the costumes as well. And, and I think Sally feels great. As you said, yeah, Martin Sheen can be a little bit boring as Uncle Ben um, just because it, it feels so... Um, recycled, even though it only happened once before. It just feels, it's something we've all seen before already. And that's one reason I really liked, um, I really like what they're doing with Homecoming and Far From Home. It feels really fresh with this new Spider-Man. It's kind of a different different take on it. And I think that was really necessary. Um, you already have two films that touch on the origin story. You didn't need to tell the exact same one. So so I got to um, give props to Homecoming and Far From Home in that respect. Um, but I, I, I'm a person who will always like the amazing spider-man i don't love the film but i think it's a very good movie it's fourth on my list just for just for the facts that I, I really like the film i think the action sequences are good and i even dig the scenes where it's from his point of view uh, the first person i know a lot of people said it looks like a video game i know a lot of people said um uh that it was unnecessary but i actually enjoy those scenes i think they are fun to watch it's number four on my list but my five Four and three can all kind of really switch around. I think it's it was tough to place these films, but I had to put it at number four because it's a movie that I really enjoyed and I liked Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man a lot. Um, there are some issues uh, as we touched on, but that's my number four. Okay, so you want to move on to number three then? Yeah, for sure. Um, so we'll move on to the number three slot for sure. Yeah, take it away. Yeah, so and for me, this was a movie that I really struggled to place. Um, just because it is so much different than all the other movies. Uh, but my number three is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And it's like it, it follows so many different rules just because it is an animated movie and just because it is pretty much the only animated movie of its style. Uh, but I can kind of talk about why it's my number three and not higher or lower once we get to it on your list. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my number three is uh, one that you've already placed on your list. And my number three is the original Sp- Spider-Man from 2002, Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Um, this was so tough for me to place because I have Far From Home at five, I have The Amazing Spider-Man at four, um, and I have this at three. Uh, I kind of look at The Amazing Spider-Man and uh, the 2002 Spider-Man uh, as very similar movies because they're both telling an origin story um, that follow very similar beats. And where um, where the two movies differ, in my opinion, is the villain and um, some of the consequences. Um, I think that you look at the original Spider-Man in 2002 and when, when Peter Parker doesn't stop that thief and that thief ends up killing Uncle Ben, um, it hits a lot harder than in The Amazing Spider-Man when he doesn't stop the thief and that thief ends up killing Uncle Ben. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> I, I think it hits a lot harder in, in 
Raimi's 2002 Spider-Man. Um, it feels really, really, really um, familiar in The Amazing Spider-Man. And also another thing is the villain, as I said. Uh, Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin is is a really, really good villain. Um, I wish that he got more time in this movie. I mean, he got a lot of screen time. He was fleshed out pretty good, but he was just so good that I would have liked to see even more. And you compare him to the lizard in the amazing Spider-Man. He's not, uh, or sorry, he's way better. Uh, green goblins way better. And that's the reason I had to put this three above the amazing Spider-Man. While I really do like the performances in the amazing Spider-Man, I think that this movie really captures consequences. It captures the villain and it captures the magic of Spider-Man a little bit more. And I also just love the, the New York vibe of, uh, Raimi's films. Um, and, and this did come out a year after 9-11, and I think it was really important um, that this movie did well. And it kind of it, it was huge for the city of New York to have a movie like this and have a, a hero like Spider-Man. I know it's it's fictional, but it's something that uh, people people use movies as an escape. And I think this was it came out at a huge time in history uh, in 2002. It's my number three for sure. It's a movie that I'll always revisit. I think it's a terrific origin story. One of the better origin stories in terms of superhero films over the years. Um, so, so yeah, that's my number three for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I had this, at, you know, a little bit lower, just barely at number four, but you know, I think this is one of the best superhero movies of all time. I mean, you know, this was coming at a point where pretty much the last big superhero movie had been Batman and Robin and then you'd had X-Men two years before. Um, so there wasn't a whole lot. And this really sets a lot of the tone and style of even, you know, the MCU right now. I completely agree with uh, your take on uh, the Green Goblin as well as with um, the Bandit. You know, when when Peter, Peter and Uncle Ben's relationship, I think, is a lot more cemented. And, you know, there there's kind of this are this really strong argument they have right before and then you know peter lies to uncle ben and then leaves uh doesn't stop the bandit and then the bandit kills his uncle and i think like you said that hits home a lot more the green goblin i think they just did a great job kind of showing um kind of in opposition to spider-man you have you have a hero and a villain that are both really struggling with duality you know does does peter choose to be spider-man or choose to be peter does uh, Norman choose to be Norman and or, or let the Green Goblin take control. And I think it just crescendos really well. And uh, I mean, it's it, the effects don't always hold up. You know, this is a, a uh, 17 year old movie at this point, but the effects still hold up pretty well. Um, the fight between the Green Goblin and Spider-Man at the end is still really cool to watch today. Um, and, you know, this is this is just a, a great origin story. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. I want to kind of touch on it a little bit more as well, because um, this is a movie that it is really, really well done. And uh, one of the reasons that I really had to place this movie a little bit above The Amazing Spider-Man's, as I said, was Uncle Ben's death and the meaning it had. And that's also one of the reasons why I put Spider-Man 3 at number eight, just because of what they because of the way they brought back Uncle Ben's death in Spider-Man 3. Mm -hmm. I just didn't like it. Uh, I wasn't a big fan and I thought it was borderline disrespect to this movie um yeah. because I, I thought it was perfect perfect the way it was i didn't want to revisit that um so so that's kind of another reason i put spider-man three at eight but i have Raimi's uh, original 2002 spider-man here at number three and it did definitely pave the way for the future of superhero films as we know it i mean the x-men was a pretty big movie domestically spider-man was a massive movie worldwide and uh it was the first movie to ever gross a hundred million dollars in its opening weekend 
So it, it was a massive film, massive hit. And even, yeah, still today, it does hold up decently. Um, visual effects are getting better every year. So, I mean, who knows, maybe 10 years from now, we'll look at uh, The Lion King coming out this summer and we'll say that's that's bad visuals. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, who knows? But that's kind of the way visual effects are. You can't really fault a movie for that, especially considering this movie was nominated for Best Visual Effects at the Oscars back in 2002. Um, so in its era, great effects. Even today, they hold up decently. You can still watch this film, really enjoy it, and it is one of the best superhero movies of all time, a great origin story. So uh, that's my number three. Um, before we head into the top two, uh, we'll do a quick run through here. So my number eight is uh, Spider-Man 3. Uh, my number seven is Amazing Spider-Man 2. My number six is Homecoming. My number five is Far From Home. Still really dig those movies, but had to put them at six and five. Two great movies, though. Uh, my number four is The Amazing Spider-Man. And my number three is Spider-Man, uh, Raimi's 2002 Spider-Man. Uh, let's run through your eight through three before we head into our top two. Yes, my number eight is The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And then The Amazing Spider-Man is in 7th. 6th is Spider-Man 3. 5 is Far From Home. 4 is the original Spider-Man. And 3 is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Awesome. Alrighty, so we'll get into your number 2. Uh, what would that be? Yeah, so my number 2, I think this is the one we disagreed with the most on, uh, is actually Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, and yeah, because I think you had this... Uh, I, got a six. I know you had this. Yeah, I know you had this a lot lower than I did. Um, but for me, I really love the vulture and the twist they did with that. Um, like when Michael Keaton opens the door, I think that's one of the best moments in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think for me, vulture is really what sets this apart, as well as uh, Iron Man and, and Spider-Man and Tony Stark's relationship with Peter. Um, it really established something that, you know, it wasn't. It didn't completely climax in this movie, but really climaxed in Infinity War and then again in Endgame and really just kind of paved the way for how Spider-Man could be different and explored differently as a character. You know, this is the third live action Spider-Man, but now we're getting to see him, you know, be Tony Stark's protege and be younger and be this kid that, you know, is, is trying to find out his place in a world where when he's introduced you know you have uh, loki bringing aliens down on new york and ultron dropping cities from the sky and here's this kid who's you know just fighting a guy over uh, basically a bunch of alien junk and uh yeah I, I think it's just really well done and it's it's one of my favorite mcu movies and definitely my number two spider-man movie yeah, so I, I had this one on a six, but I by no means didn't enjoy this movie. This is a really good movie, and Vulture is the best part about it, as you said. That reveal at the door, um, it is one of the best MCU moments. It's also one of the best Spider-Man moments, and upon rewatching all eight of these movies for um, the purpose of developing this list, Vulture is probably my second favorite villain. Um, before the rewatch, I probably would have said Green Goblin at number two, but Vulture is probably my second favorite. Um, I think Michael Keaton did great in the role. He's a motivated villain. Um, I think of all eight films, he might be the most motivated villain. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that he has great intentions. Well, (laughs) I'm not gonna say great intentions, but I think (laughs) his intentions are are, they're, they're, they're written really great. And I think that, uh, you see, you see his purpose, you see what he wants to do, you see his goal and you understand it because of his character and, and what kind of he had to go through. And I thought they set that up really well. Um, so that's a great villain. That's that's definitely a great part of this film. And I have it at six, but for me, it's still 
pretty much an eight out of 10 movie. Um, I still really enjoy this movie and it was so tough for me to, to really kind of solidify there in that six spot, but I did like far from home a little bit more. So that's why I had to put it at five, but homecoming. Yes. Yeah, six for me, two for you though. That's pretty good. I mean, uh, I'm looking forward to see what Tom Holland has to do because I really like Tom Holland in this role. I think, uh, after homecoming, I, I liked him. I was still a little bit skeptical because I am an amazing Spider-Man fan. I am a fan of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man films, um, but I still really like the movie. But with him, I wasn't completely sold. Then you see Infinity War and uh, Endgame. I was sold. And now Far From Home, he really has solidified himself as a really good Spider-Man and a solid Peter Parker as well. So you know what? I want to see another trilogy after this one of uh, Tom Holland. I want to see years and years from now a Logan-style Spider-Man <laughs> with uh, Tom, Tom Holland in the lead. I want to see uh, Tom Holland kind of carry this character for a long time and us kind of uh, grow with him and cinema kind of grow with him. I think that'd be really cool. Uh, so yeah, it's my number six. You're number two. I still enjoyed it, but uh, seems you enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah, and my only real complaint with Homecoming and Far From Home is that the villains in these movies are more like Iron Man is the reason why they're Spider-Man villains, right? Like they they don't come into Spider-Man's life because, you know, they have a problem with Spider-Man or their paths intersect. It's more like, uh, you know, they they have a problem with Iron Man and Spider-Man happens to be there kind of crossing paths with them. And so I would like to see someone like, you know, the Green Goblin in the original uh, Spider-Man trilogy or someone that really has a genuine beef with Spider-Man, not Tony Stark. Um, oh, hundred percent. That's really my be, main complaint. <laughs> yeah. That, that'd be a pretty, uh, pretty cool kind of, uh, addition to the future of this franchise. Because when you said that, I didn't really, didn't really think of that. You're right. It's kind of Iron Man that has caused the two Spider-Man villains. And, uh, I'd like to see, I'd like to see one of those OG villains come in and, uh, try to try to take on Spidey. That'd be really cool. Um, but anyways, my number two um, is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This was a phenomenal movie. Um, it's top three of my uh, favorite films of 2018. Um, I believe I have it at two. Um, it's, it's a really, really, really good movie. It's a movie that I think is the, it's the least um, uh, divisive um, superhero movie, arguably of all time, in my opinion. Um, I know The Dark Knight is a movie that it is always regarded as is phenomenal, top notch, best of the best superhero stuff. But there's always going to be people who hate on it just because, um, just because it's so good. That's what happens when you get that popular, get that good. But with a movie like uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, I, I just don't recall seeing anyone really trash on this movie. This is such a phenomenal film through and through. The animation is just fantastic. It's revolutionary. It's so cool to watch. The colors are just incredible. It really just comes out of the screen, really. It was such a fun theater experience. This is a movie that I was, that I had, um, I didn't really have many expectations with this film. I didn't know how it was going to turn out, but it was cool to kind of see the Miles Morales story in the Spider-Man universe. Then I see this film and it, it, it was just phenomenal. It really blew me away. It's, it's funny. It's relevant. It's enjoyable. Um, the action sequences are great. I think this movie has heart. Um, this movie teaches a lot of good lessons. It has some great themes, um, uh, some great coming of age themes as well. And themes of responsibility. And, uh, most Spider-Man movies have those themes, but I think this one really hits it home really well. And the Stanley cameo, um, the Stanley cameo, uh, in the store, uh, that was really solid to see. That was unexpected. Um, when I first saw it, I think it was really good. That's my number two. Um, and I know you wanted to say a couple things about this film, so I'll, I'll let you take it away on into the spider verse. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but it's so hard to, um, 
rank this movie um, compared to all the other Spider-Man movies just because it is an animated movie. It is a very distinct comic book style, and it just plays by completely different rules. You know, I mean, you have a you have a pig character that can pull a mallet out of his pocket and then put it back in like it's nothing. <laughs> um, like, it, it's just it plays by such different rules. But I think they really do a good job giving Peter and Miles uh, really meaningful character arcs, you know, and sure. Kingpin. Um, you know, you have you have a ton of villains in this movie, too. You have uh, so. So for movie Babel, I, I ranked all the Spider-Man villains and there's like seven or eight in this movie alone. Um, I mean, you have Doc Ock, you have Prowler, you have Kingpin, you have Scorpion, you have the Green Goblin, you have just a ton of these villains and it manages to balance them all. And yeah, most of them are just kind of big characters. I think the Green Goblin is only in one scene, but it really juggles them all. It juggles, you know, five different Spider-Men really well. While at the same time, you have Peter Parker getting a really meaningful lesson about uh, Spider-Man and fatherhood and redemption and Miles learning to become a hero and, and growing up and filling in these massive shoes left by, you know, his Peter Parker. And like th- this movie is, if it's not perfect, it's pretty close. Like this is just such an amazing animated movie. Yeah, for sure. I was really blown away by this. And I think uh, the funniest part of the movie is Nick Cage's uh, uh, Spider-Man <laughs> Noir. <laughs> uh, Nick Cage's Spider-Man Noir made me laugh so many times. That's a really, really, really uh, standout in this film. And, and as I talked about, previously motivations uh, that's a huge part of what makes a villain great i think there's so many one-dimensional villains in superhero movies it seems like in the mcu they're starting to get better um spider-man's had a few um but this film they aren't one-dimensional i think kingpin even uh when you see kind of the backstory with his family um uh the, it, he has motivations and you kind of see why characters are in the places they're in and uh i really dug this film a lot um and i'll continue to uh praise it and kind of spread the word about it because it, it was a really good movie. And it is one that, as I said, you don't often see people talk bad about this movie. I think people are really universally in line with this thing. And for this to be um, a, a, an Oscar winner for best animated feature, that's, that's pretty cool as well. It did really good at almost all the award shows uh, this past, uh, this past year, last year. And it, it's pretty, it's just really cool that this thing actually happened. And I, and, and I want to see more because it, it was just so much fun. But I also hope that when we do see more, it, it, it doesn't fall apart because the magic in this movie is there. And uh, I, re- I really enjoyed Into the Spider-Verse. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I have next to zero problems with this movie. Um, like, it, it's just an amazing movie. <laughs> For sure. Um, so we've got our eight through twos decided. And uh, if you have been kind of listening along well, you'll notice that we both haven't mentioned uh, the same movie yet. <laughs> so I want to turn it over to you for number one. Uh, what's your what's your favorite Spider-Man movie? Yeah, so this is not only my favorite Spider-Man movie, but this is my favorite movie of all time. Um, I'm talking about Spider-Man 2. Um, <laughs> like I, I, this is this is Shrek 2. I remember seeing those. I don't think I saw them together because I don't know if they were out at the same time, but those are the two movies that I remember seeing first in the movie theater. You know, I would have been, I think seven at the time, uh, six or seven. Um, and I just like, I've always loved this movie. The older I get, the more I appreciate it and just see like just how incredible this movie is. (laughs) Um, I mean, from, you know, kind of exploring the story with, with Peter Moore 
And, you know, even the fact that he's not Spider-Man for like 30 to 45 minutes of this movie. And you also have, you know, a meaningful arc for Dr. Octopus. And, you know, he, he doesn't even become Doc Ock until this movie's almost 45 minutes into the movie. Um, you get to explore him as a character. Mary Jane gets a meaningful arc. Harry gets a meaningful arc. Aunt May gets a meaningful arc. Um, and there's just so many characters that it juggles really well. The effects are amazing. The train fight still holds up to this very day. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson, uh, he's he's been talked about a lot lately in the, the past week or so. Um, but <laughs> he really, uh, J.K. Simmons really like inhabits that character in this movie. And it just does a lot of things, and it does them all really, really well. Uh, for sure. This is my number one as well. Sam Raimi's 2004 Spider-Man 2. This is a phenomenal, phenomenal movie. Um, it, it's a movie that uh, I think a lot of people still consider to be the best Spider-Man movie. Um, I think probably if you were to poll a thousand people, um, uh, this would probably be number one on their favorite Spider-Man movie. And uh, it is just so good. It's so good. It, it's just an incredible film overall. It's one of my favorite superhero movies. It's up there with, it's, it's top three for my favorite superhero movies. Um, it's also one of my favorite movies. Um, this, this is just such a wonderful, wonderful film. And, and it does so many things right. I think there's a, a strong undertone of, of uh, emotional drama there between uh, MJ and Peter Parker that isn't always said. And it leads to the end of the movie when she sees Spider-Man really, she sees the reveal and uh, you really feel it. And uh, Raimi did a terrific job at directing this film. The train fight scene is, is one of the best in uh, comic book movie history and action movie history. Um, it's so memorable. It's so incredible. It's a wonderful scene for sure. And, and it's an uplifting scene as well. And it still does hold up today. And the, the visual effects in this movie uh, compared to two years prior with uh, the original spider-man they're they're crazy they, they really made a lot of improvements with uh, spider-man 2 in terms of vfx and that that just goes to show how fast and how rapid visual effects can um can can change and how how good they can become over just a short period of time uh but yeah doc dr octopus is arguably my favorite uh villain in in cinema um I, I went crazy over this movie as a kid just because of doc ock i mean <laughs> looking back um, over all, all eight of these Spider-Man films. Um, I, I, I really like Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker. I like him as Spider-Man. He's, he's, he is great at, as Peter Parker. And I think the dry humor in uh, the Raimi films works. Uh, but I, I always wanted to be, uh, when you want to be a villain, sometimes that happens. I always wanted to be Doc Ock. <laughs> I always thought he was, he was such a cool villain. I love the arms and he had motivations as well. That's the theme. He had motivations. Um, he went through a lot. And, uh, one scene I just want to bring up is the, uh, scene when he's in the hospital after, uh, the accident, after the experiment and, uh, the arms wake up. Do you remember that mm -hmm. scene? <laughs> um, th that, that's a scene that Sam Raimi flexed a little bit of his, uh, horror, um, horror talent because he he's a traditional horror film director um and and that's a wonderful scene as well uh a scary scene where they where they definitely take it a little uh, a little um a step a step forward in in terms of uh how much they're going to test the boundaries that's a pretty good scene but yeah this movie is just phenomenal it's a movie that i'll i'll, I'll always hold near and dear because it's it is just so good i i have a few tiny issues with this movie um and it's one issue that i have with the entire trilogy um, 
uh, and that is that I didn't, I didn't, I, I like James Franco a lot. I think he did good in these movies, but I wish that they touched more on his vengeance with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think that it happens, you know about it, but they don't flesh it out a lot. Uh, and I would have loved to see that uh, a little bit more in this movie. Um, and then also in the third film, uh, third film kind of messed things up with that story arc, but, uh, yeah, this is a wonderful film, and uh, it's one that was a huge box office success, but as you said, it's a shame that it didn't make as much as the first, because I think we would have seen a solid end to the trilogy uh, in Spider-Man 3 if this movie was an even bigger hit at the box office. Yeah, and I mean, kind of touching on how Sam Raimi, you know, gets to flex his horror muscles with this movie, you definitely see, like, where they, they let him go a little bit nuts with it, or let him, you know, take it in in more extreme directions because i mean spider-man uh the 2002 movie was expected to be big but it was just massive i mean 100 million dollars opening weekend was unheard of at the time um it, it was just a ridiculous success that people didn't really know that that superhero movies could have and you see where they let uh sam raimi kind of go nuts with it in the second one and then you definitely see where they pull back and they're like okay we're in charge now um with yeah. the third one even though they, they really you know it's not like Spider-Man 2 was a, a bomb. Like, this was still a huge success. No, for It just sure. wasn't as big a success. And Sony, in typical Sony fashion, kind of freaked out. And uh, that's how Spider-Man 3 came to be. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I think that the studio needs to have a little bit more faith. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I wasn't trying to say that it wasn't a success at all. This movie was, was a huge success, but it just didn't quite make as much as the first one did. And that kind of changes the studio's outlook a little bit. I mean, this movie still went on to make $783 million, which in 2004 was huge. Uh, the first movie made $821 million. So there's a little, there's only like a $36 million gap between the two. But that was enough for the studio to come in and kind of screw up uh, Remy's plans for the third film, which is upsetting. But uh, Spider-Man 2 is a movie that uh, I can't praise it enough. And since there's going to be a lot more Spider-Man films to come, I hope that this is one that doesn't get forgotten. Uh, I don't think it will from our generation and the generations uh, behind, but I'd love for this movie to get passed on to, to, to younger people as well, because this is it's a really good movie, and I think it holds up so well today. Uh, terrific, terrific superhero film, and it's one that I can't, I can't praise enough. And I mean, it's interesting to look at just how the Spider-Man trilogy has kind of evolved over the years. Um, so Raimi's movies have a really strong internet presence now. And Spider-Man 3 is one of those movies that was pretty much universally loathed when it came out. But now a lot of, like, uh, the opinion on it is is flipped a lot, kind of like how the Star Wars prequels have. And you have a lot of these, you know, kids like myself that grew up with it and were like, no, this, like, yeah, this is bad, but we love it anyways. Like, <laughs> we're committed to loving it. And, yes, uh, but- yeah. <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man three feels Spider-Man three feels a lot like a prequel, like a Star Wars yeah. prequel. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right, 100. percent It does. It feels like one of those guilty pleasures that people love to hate, but also love, right? And uh, um, yeah, that's kind of the way it went. But I mean, the first two movies in the Raimi trilogy, you can't really deny that they're, they're both great movies. And uh, just Spider-Man two, it hits all the boxes. It uh, check checks off everything that makes a good film. Um, and I also wanted to touch on. Uh, I don't believe I have yet. Uh, in talking about the Raimi films, but uh, Danny Elfman's score, um, oh yeah, because it is it is phenomenal and it is by far better than anything that is. I mean, I'm a huge 
Michael Giacchino fan. He does the uh, score for uh, the newer Spider-Man films. Um, he's probably my first or second favorite composer up with Hans Zimmer. But uh, Danny Elfman captured Spider-Man with this score. This score is phenomenal. Um, the first movie, second movie, terrific. Um, the third movie, uh, Christopher Young came in and composed the film, but he still used a lot of the elements uh, that Danny Elfman had uh, from the first two films. Um, but but the score is just so, so good. One of the best superhero film scores ever, in my opinion. Um, it, it's just wonderful. Elfman really, really, really hit it at the ballpark with uh, his score for the Raimi Spider-Man films. Yeah, I mean, the, the Spider-Man theme that he made for the first movie is iconic. Like, if, if you go to uh, my local movie theater, I, I don't know if it's a nationwide thing, but they play, uh, you know, film scores in the in the lobby. And, like, I'll still walk in there and hear the Spider-Man theme that Danny Elfman did. Like, it, it's just, it's instantly recognizable. It's so good. It really captures Spider-Man. And even the uh, Doc Ock theme he did for Spider-Man 2, I think, holds up just as well. No, I agree for sure. And you got to love when uh, when the Raimi films start and you hear <laughs> that theme. Um, yeah. uh, it, he did a terrific job with the score. I mean, the scores also in a Homecoming and Far From Home, they're great. Michael Giacchino does a really good job there. But I think that uh, Danny Elfman's score for Spider-Man is, is one of the most iconic um, uh, comic book movie scores of all time, for sure. And there will be a lot more to come over, over the upcoming years. But I think Elfman's score will definitely stand the test of time. Uh, so before we uh, wrap it up here and say goodbye, I want to kind of run through our uh, eight through one again real quick. So we'll let you uh, start there. What's your eight through one? Yeah, so my number eight is The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Number seven is The Amazing Spider-Man. Then Spider-Man 3 in number six. Spider-Man Far From Home in number five. Spider-Man, the 2002 movie. Number four, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse in number three. Number two is Spider-Man Homecoming. And number one is, of course, Spider-Man 2. For sure. Uh, my number eight is Spider-Man 3. Uh, number seven, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Number six, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Number five is Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, which we both had at five. Number four for me is The Amazing Spider-Man. Number three is the original 2002 Spider-Man. Number two is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And number one, which we also had the same, is Spider-Man 2. Um, these, these, all eight of these films, they have interesting characters through and through. Um, all eight of these films are, I think, memorable for different reasons. Um, what's what's uh, three of your kind of favorite Spider-Man moments? Uh, let's try to, you know... L- Actually, what's your favorite from each of the different four Spider-Mans that we've seen? Um, Spider-Verse, uh, Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, and Tobey Maguire. What, give, give me a moment from each. Okay, um, so I'll start with I'll start with Tom Holland. Um, so I think his just his introduction and like his his airport scene in Civil War was really just like a really nice and fun way to to meet the character. Um, you know, he comes in pretty late in the movie. But you instantly know, like, this is why this Spider-Man is different. Um, this is how he fits within the universe. And it was just a great way to put him in. Um, so that, that's mine for Tom Holland. For Andrew Garfield, um, it's going to be a tough one. I think really just his moments with uh, with Gwen. You know, I think his relationship, I don't, I don't know if I have a particular one, but I think just his relationship with Gwen is really the most memorable thing that he did as a character. And into the Spider Verse, it's it's got to be the uh, the scene where Miles uh, really gets control of his powers and, and that iconic Spider Verse shot where he's falling up through the flame or through the frame, 
and just you know really exploring who he is and then it's hard to pick with toby mcguire <laughs> yep. i think my favorite meme one is pizza time uh, when he when he drops <laughs> the pizza off <laughs> but i think the train fight in spider-man 2 uh just you really push a lot of like spider-man's powers and a lot of what they could do with visual effects in the day and i think it's just the best sequence in in the raimi trilogy there you go. I shouldn't have let you on first, man. That was pretty good. <laughs> um, but uh, I have to agree with the uh, Tobey Maguire one. I think that the train sequence, it's very powerful. It's very moving, and it, it is huge. Um, besides that, um, his monologues are funny. <laughs> uh, kind of the opening monologues for the films and the closing, they're pretty funny. Um, but there are a lot of great moments. You have three films, so you got a lot to choose from. But the train sequence is one that always will stand out. And another one I agree, uh, agree with you with is the... Uh, is uh, Miles Morales in uh, Into the Spider-Verse. I thought that was a great moment, especially uh, you see the camera kind of panning up on him. Uh, that was great. That's kind of when you know that this movie's about to take a different turn. He's uh, he's really honed his powers, so to speak. I also love his first introduction um, with Gwen Stacy when they kind of ran into each other mm-hmm. um, in, the, in the school. Uh, that was pretty good. Um, and it kind of just showed the charm of his character as well and hers. And uh, I thought it was a really cool sequence as well. Um, Going into the Andrew Garfield ones, I just I, I did really dig him as um, Spider Man. Um, so so one of the moments I really enjoyed was I don't know if you remember it, but it's in the first Amazing Spider Man. You got uh, cars getting tossed off uh, a bridge by the lizard, and uh, there, there's one car um, that's hanging from one of Spidey's webs connected to the bridge, and there's a little kid in it. Uh, he goes down, and uh, the kid's afraid, and uh, he gives him his mask to put on. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of help him through the situation. I thought that was pretty good, but I think as Spider-Man, all of his kind of witty, witty remarks, uh, they're always fun. Um, and then the Tom Holland, Holland, uh, with the Tom Holland Spider-Man, I think we've, we've had a lot of pretty good moments thus far. Um, but, but I just really like any interplay he has with Tony Stark and especially, I mean, this is more of a, uh, uh, this is more touching on Iron Man, but uh, when they were reunited in Endgame, kind of seeing each other again, I thought that was a pretty, pretty kind of good moment. And uh, it was in that moment that uh, it's kind of starting to signal that the end is probably coming for Tony. <laughs> um, I mean, after that, you see Doctor Strange with the one up and all the other stuff. Um, but uh, anything with those two is is really great. I also liked um, what you said. Also. Uh, in the airport, I think that was a really good introduction to Spider-Man, and, and that was something that really made me excited about uh, Tom Holland as Spider-Man moving forward. Just the fact that he can he can be funny, he can be charming, and he he feels like he is a high school kid. Um, he's he's not looking like he's thirty in uh, high school, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I like what they're doing with it. So so that's that's kind of some of my favorite moments for sure. Uh, I want to thank you though for coming on. Uh, that was a pretty good show. Uh, it's pretty cool that we had the same number one. Spider-Man 2 is a movie that is definitely one that we hold near and dear for sure. It's a, it's a great film overall. This is such a great character, though, and I think there's so much more story to tell. Um, if you looked back, uh, way back in the day, probably back when the first couple Spider-Mans came out, would you have expected that we would have had a Mysterio uh, by now? No, and I mean, Mysterio has kind of always been looked at as, like, we can't, re- like, the villain that nobody could really figure out a use for. Um, you know, he's, he's always been very gimmicky and, you know, it's crazy that like <laughs> we've had a really good Fulcher. We've had a really good Mysterio in within two years of each other. Yeah, for sure. And I think that just shows, um, 
how promising the future is uh, with with uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Spider-Man villains. Um, it'd be cool to see a Sinister Six one day. It'd mm-hmm. be cool to see that come come to fruition. I'd like to see a lot of the uh, uh, kind of original Spider-Man villains come come back into the into the mix. But uh, there have been a lot of great moments with this character, um, a lot of great films, and it's just pretty cool that 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 he's kind of transcended um, cinema. On, on a global scale and we're going to see this year the first spider-man movie to hit a billion dollars which is pretty wild with far from home and just the impact that um endgame has had on that character and uh everything that happened there so so it's pretty cool but i want to thank you again for coming on it was a great show uh man i'm going to wrap it up here so i want to say thank you guys for listening for sure it was it was a great talk with colin uh you can check us out on moviebabblereviews.com. We have podcasts weekly with the uh, Movie Babble podcast where we do discuss uh, latest box office news. I'll be back in a couple weeks with the next episode of Babble with Brennan. Um, but for sure, this was a great show, and uh, it's always fun to talk Spider-Man. So uh, see you next time. Welcome to the second episode of Babble with Brennan presented by Movie Babble. I'm your host, Brennan Dubay, and today's topic is Spider-Man. We'll be ranking the Spider-Man films from our least favorite to our favorite. I have a great guest today, and I'm so excited to get into it. You can check out Movie Babble and some other Movie Babble related content on moviebabblereviews.com. You can also follow us on our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and check us out on YouTube as well.